Okay. Oh. Welcome to the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission meeting. The year has flown by, it's uh, November, and uh, we do a hybrid meeting. And to go over the rules of the hybrid meeting, I'm gonna let Ellie Mullins talk about that. Thank you, Ellie Mullins, planner. I will be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. I'll work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individuals' videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to the chair. Thank you, Ellie. So the first order of business are the minutes from last month's meeting. Does anybody have any questions or concerns? Nope. Nope. Uh, can I get a motion? So moved. Second. Second. Commissioner Eldridge seconds. Jeff, going down our uh, meeting agenda, uh, I guess the first item is yeah. to Oops, need, a need a vote. Need a vote. Oh, take a vote. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick. <laughs> you can't, hold on, it's going to take yeah. before yeah. I made a mistake. Uh, got it out of the way. <laughs> get it out of the way. No, see, exactly. You're done. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all. <laughs> Please call the vote, Jeff. I, it can just be a, a. Oh, show of hands. Aye. <laughs> I, I. All in favor? Right. to approve. Looks like a. Oh, all in favor? <laughs> Aye. Aye. <laughs> all against? Yeah. All right. Uh, with that, with that out of the way. Um, so now for the uh, committee reports. Is that correct, Jeff? Yes. Okay. So uh, the first one is the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board. I've had no meetings since the past uh, right. in the past month. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. Uh, the Land Development Code Update Steering Committee. Um, if I may, because Commissioner Rexford is not here this evening, I can give an update on that. Uh, the committee met last Thursday to go through the last kind of portion of Module 2, which is the use regs and development standards that are in there. So landscaping, lighting, uh, probably a few others that I'm missing off the top of my head here, but it's, it's really those use regulations that you see with site planning and those. That was included as part of that discussion. So that draft is available online. So if you'd like to take a look at it, it is available. And then they're going to start going and working on Module 3, which is administration and procedure. So what do the application types look like? What do the steps look like? And all those details. So more to come on that front. Um, and just to give you all a, an update, we're working still to schedule a meeting with Clary on the consultants to come and, and speak with you about that process so look forward to that on a future meeting and the steering committee will likely be meeting the week of December 7th I think it actually on December 7th now that I say it out loud so there'll be another meeting of theirs coming up very soon thank you Jeff uh, and then the, the next committee is the WinReg uh, ad hoc committee and I think we've disbanded um, but the update for that is we had a meeting last month and public comment is now closed and we're trying to get uh, the vote 
before the regulations on our calendar. Is that correct, Jeff? Uh, the ad hoc wasn't disbanded. It right. was kind of yeah. in process. Okay. And just before the body as a whole is working through at that level with, with all the commissioners. Okay, so I it's sent back. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, go going down our uh, communications, uh, have we received any written communications from the public? All communications that were received by the deadline were included as part of your packet this evening. Any uh, communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners? None this evening. Okay. Uh, any action of waiver request determinations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. Okay. Any ex parte communications from anybody? Okay. Uh, any declaration of abstentions from specific items by commissioners? Uh, okay, and now it's uh, time for general public comment. Uh, is anybody either online or in person here to speak about anything other than tonight's agenda? Ellie, is there anybody online, as far as you can tell? No one online. Okay, and uh, going once in person, looks like nobody's here. Um, so I guess we can go on with our regular agenda. So the Presenter for the first item is Luke, is that correct? Yeah, please go ahead, Luke. <clears throat> Are we good, Kurt? Are you sharing? Let's see. Good evening, Commissioners. As Chair Duver just noted, this item is a request to approve a preliminary plat for Burroughs Creek 4th Edition. This is located northeast of the intersection of Haskell Avenue and East 12th Street. So as you're all aware, uh, less complicated um, minor subdivisions and re or, excuse me, less complicated subdivisions and replats um, typically move through the administrative process. Uh, that's our minor subdivision. However, subdivisions of unplatted land or subdivision of platted land into more than four lots requires planning commission approval um, through the two-step major subdivision process. So you're reviewing the preliminary plat, the first step. Um, uh, tonight for this uh, application, and that's based on the number of um, lots that we're going to be talking about. More on that in an upcoming slide. Um, the project area tonight is um, the Struct Restruct property address is 1146 Haskell Avenue, and the unaddressed tract located between the Burroughs Creek Channel and the residential lots located along East 12th Street. The existing detached dwellings and the undeveloped lots along East 12th Street um, are not part of this proposed subdivision, so their lot lines will not be changing. 
So the applicant has submitted a preliminary plat which proposes kind of two principal things um, or two principal changes from the existing conditions. So first the applicant proposes to replat the existing tract A, so that's the large tract north of the residential lots, into nine individual tracts. They would be labeled tract 1A through 9A. Each proposed tract's boundaries would align with the corresponding lot to the south. You can see on the right how the proposed tracks on the top or those on the north would align generally with the existing platted lots below. The existing platted lots are outlined in red with their interior side lot lines showing in yellow. So the second principal item that this would address would be to shift um, an existing platted lot line so that the portion, so that a portion of the current tract A would be incorporated into the larger struct restruct property, uh, their lot. So that is the smaller, kind of looks like a bent arm and elbow um, shaped area circled in red on the left. So I'll note that Tracks are very specifically defined land unit in our land development code. They're not considered lots of record. Um, the city could not and would not issue a building permit for an improvement on any of these proposed tracks. Tracks have a very specific purpose, which is to function as open space, storm drainage, easement purposes, um, or any otherwise specific or restricted use. So continuing with that discussion of easements, uh, easements and rights away are, are of course accepted by the city commission during the final platting process. However, a preliminary plat must show the existing and proposed easements. There are several existing utility easements that I haven't shown. Um, those are in place and will be carried forward. Um, the principal change will be the expansion of an existing drainage easement from the east, um, that tract, to the west, to the struct-restruct property. So when the existing tract in the East 12th Street residential lots were platted um, kind of in 2015-2016 time, tract A was also designated as a drainage easement as it's entirely encumbered by the regulatory flood way and the regulatory flood plain. So as part of the major subdivision, as, this, as part of this major subdivision, the applicant will dedicate and the city commission will consider um, an expanded drainage easement onto the struct-restruct property. So this easement will encapsulate the FEMA-mapped regulatory flood way, which is located on struct-restruct's property. The existing drainage easement is shown in orange on the right, and then the area proposed to be dedicated in, in the next step is shown uh, in light red on the left. So our land development code is pretty strict with what can occur in a platted drainage easement. Um, you'll, you can see two reference notes on the side, kind of on the lower right. Um, one references section 1101G of our code, that is the um, statement about drainage easements. And then the lower note is the existing note that is in place for the current platted um, setup where there's um, a note about uh, future maintenance and responsibility for the drainage easement. So both of those would be carried forward onto the final plat. So a fully detailed analysis of the applicable preliminary plat review criteria is located within the staff report. I'll just note that proposed lot one, which is the struct-restruct property, that will maintain adequate right-of-way width, adequate frontage, it'll continue to satisfy the density and dimensional standards for a lot in the limited industrial district. I apologize, um, that does say IG on, in the presentation. 
it is IL, Limited Industrial District. And then the Land Development Code does not regulate tracks, right-of-way frontage, or density and dimensional standards, so that analysis doesn't really apply here. With that, I'll conclude and um, recommend the Planning Commission approve the proposed preliminary plat um, 23-00310 for Burroughs Creek 4th edition. If approved, the applicant would then submit the final plat application that would be reviewed by staff with easements going to the City Commission. Um, as always, happy to stand for questions and our applicants design professionals with us tonight as well. Would the applicant like to say anything after Luke? Just here to answer any questions you guys have. You did a good job. Uh, any uh, public comment? Ellie, anyone online that you can see? I do not see anyone online. Okay, I'll bring it back to the commission. <coughs> questions for Luke or the applicant? <coughs> Go ahead. I'd like to ask <coughs> Mr. Maurer. Um, this seems like a lot of work and I don't really understand what the final product is. Um, CL Mauer with Land Plan Engineering. The final pro product is, is divided all these tracks up so that now the owners of those uh, properties behind can purchase those tracks. If they want a garden behind their house or whatever, they've been requested to do that. Okay. And there's no, I mean there can be, we can allow, allow them to go out there, but. And he's got to maintain around a garden and that type of stuff. So that's what this is for. Is just those those properties this south have asked to purchase some of those tracks of that so property. These become lots of record. They won't come a lot. They'll always be tracks. So they're just going to exchange that tract of land, and it won't be added to that existing lot. It'll just be a track behind. Additional track. Additional track. Yeah, we can't subdivide that again because it's always a drainage easement. So. That's correct. So you couldn't get a building permit for a tract or anything like that. It would not be a lot of record. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the owner who purchased it simply has a larger tract. There's no other additional. In this, in this instance, it would be an additional tract yeah. to their lot of record. Um, it's not going to be combined with their current lot. They would just have ownership of the two, of the two pieces. Of the two tracks. Well, one would be a lot that would front 12th Street, that's how, you know, where their house is, and then they, they could, if they chose, own the corresponding tract to the north. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I have a, a question also. So the, the, the owners of the tracts would be aware that there are even restrictions with, uh, the, there's no, a lot, there's no grading and moving, no tree cutting, you know, that sort of improvement of right, that right. track. So they would be aware that yeah, that also right. was not allowed. Yeah. And the far east tract has a easement for a large tree that's there now, and that's still going to remain. Um, I don't know if it's a big old borough, couldn't it, Luke, I think? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. There's a landscape easement that came about on the last round of planning for the, the I, I believe it's a bur oak tree. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And so, and one more, more question about, uh, just because some other projects I've been familiar with in town, it, it's, uh, it would then, instead of one owner um, of that whole, that, the, that combined area, there would be nine. Mm -hmm. So is that in any way complicating responsibility for the drainage easement? I know 
if I understand correctly, that in town that property owners adjacent to some of our waterways are responsible for maintaining, you know, they're responsible for mm -hmm. erosion control and upkeep, financially responsible if they want to do anything. So how would that be coordinated between nine owners? I'm just wondering if that's going to complicate things, if you have nine owners versus one owner. In, uh, uh, I mean, um, yes, it will complicate okay. things, but it's no different than, you know, like along a ditch behind your residence now. Right. You're responsible mm -hmm. for that certain And a lot of them don't even know that. I mean, until they get the letter from right. the city saying, hey, remove this, <laughs> the grass you've been uh -huh. dumping into uh -huh. the drainage way. Okay. Mm -hmm. So from the city's perspective, that's not a concern? Not typically. Um, our city stormwater, our previous city stormwater mm -hmm. engineer was pretty helpful of helping people figuring out what they could and couldn't do in the easement. Mm -hmm. um, we felt it was basically an extension of the previous um, set up. Mm -hmm. You're right, it is going from one owner to potentially mm -hmm. nine, um, but that it wasn't a major concern for the uh, Municipal Services and Operations Department. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I think it's going to be pretty clear when they sell this property what mm -hmm. they're responsible for. I mean, it okay. can be spelled out at that point in time, too. Now, whether they read it or not, I can't help you, but I know we've had that discussion with yes. the owner. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Go ahead. So, <clears throat> it, I'm sure it is in the paperwork someplace, so why the 4,600 extra feet on that little finger that goes out of one of those tracks. Why? Well, why was that set up back yeah. that way? Uh, I'm trying to remember. That was a little bit before my time, but anecdotally, I think it might have had something to do with the channel of Burroughs Creek, and it was it, it was drawn interestingly that way. I, I'm not. I don't know exactly how that first shape came to be. And are you saying that? All nine people who own those lots on East 12th are going to buy the one right in back of them, or can one of those individuals buy all of them, or does it matter? It, it, I mean, yeah, there could be one of those individuals want to buy three of them okay. behind his, I mean, though they're not directly by his house, he could do that if he wants. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing that keeps them from not doing that. And if they want to negotiate with a person or neighbor next to them and want to resell to them, they could, but it's up to that, you know, that person, however you do it, it's one of those things are. And how would they get to it? If I, my lot is here, I buy this one. I skip one and buy yeah. another one. Yeah. Um, then you'd have to work out some kind okay. of access easement with, between the two, just like you would anywhere else. I mean, okay. To get across somebody else's property, so yeah, it's it gets confusing after a little bit, but this is a start because um, most of these people have asked to have the something right behind their house. Okay, have control of that. So, any other questions? That's okay. Any other questions? Oh yeah, oh, I guess. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I have a question for for staff. Um, with the current zoning open space, what are the permitted uses? They're pretty, I mean, obviously they're pretty restricted. Um, you can kind of, you can do um, mostly, you know, you could do park or like open, um, probably passive recreation is the one that comes to mind. It's really. You could put playground equipment up there because that's an instruction to the. 
Yeah, so, so it's almost like a lot of the, even if it's a permitted use, um, if it impedes, you know, if the city stormwater engineer determines that it impedes the natural flow of stormwater, even if it's permitted, they wouldn't, you know, that would be restricted. The way that the land development code, the specific section about drainage easements is written, is pretty restrictive of basically any activity, even uh, native and non-native vegetation. So there is, you know, if, if, if we can determine that the gardens wouldn't be an adverse impact on the stormwater, then they can, they can garden in that space. But even the gardening would be, would be limited. Okay. But fences would not be allowed. Correct. Okay. Between the two properties, they couldn't put a fence up. Thank you. I have a really dumb question because I don't know a whole lot about <clears throat> plotting and whatnot. And um, so the, what's the purpose of making it a track behind someone's house versus having someone buy that whole stretch of land? And, and, and it's just some of it is restricted. Because like if I'm thinking about buying this track of land, is it to keep the cost down so that I can afford to buy just the lot that's buildable um, and not have to buy or pay for the track behind? Um, or, or what would be the reason for this particular configuration of pick and choose? Yeah, so originally my understanding was the floodplain extended further south towards 12th Street across this whole property. When they were replatting in 2015-2016, they created elevated pad sites where those houses are being built. And so the front half was raised out of the floodplain. They worked mm -hmm. with FEMA. And the back was basically where all the floodplain remained. And most people d weren't interested in having floodway or floodplain on a majority of their property. And so that's kind of how that current setup came to be. Back then, there was some discussion about um, dedicating as a park. I don't think the city accepted it. as It was never accepted as parkland. So it ended up just being a tract. OK, that was helpful. Thank you. Go ahead. Are we in the midst of uh, new floodplain maps? Yes. And what's the impact of that on this particular project? So the state, the Division of Water Resources, is working on remapping portions of some watersheds, not, in, not the entirety of Lawrence, but this area has the potential to change with the remapping that's going on. We're still... We're, we're still in that process. They haven't released the preliminary maps or anything, so I don't know how the floodplain would change, but it's possible that the floodplain could change on those lots once we're remapped. And if it did, what would happen? If it did, um, those, those houses have been elevated above the current base flood elevation, so in theory, they would continue to be elevated above, you know, above flooding, but it's possible that the areas that weren't elevated, that the floodplain does change or increase or decrease or change location. So it's, it's possible that the floodplain changes. And if it were to decrease, for instance, and it's no longer in the floodplain and it's just a tract, it still wouldn't be able to be developed. I mean, obviously, location-wise, it'd be hard to access it. Um, but <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what that change might do if, yeah. if all of a sudden it's more usable. Yeah, so for, for I don't in, expect it to be, but if the floodplain were to go, you know, reduce, it would still have the drainage easement component. 
And so you'd have to kind of replat that away. And then if you wanted to create buildable lots, then you'd be repeating this major subdivision and starting kind of fresh. Any, any other questions for the applicant or for Luke? Can we entertain a motion? I move approval of the preliminary findings. Okay. Findings in the staff report? Yes. <laughs> um, a second? A second. <laughs> Commissioner Carter seconds, and uh, this time we'll actually uh, vote. All in favor, say aye. 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 All against? Raise your hand. Commissioner Barotto, I think, ra raised his hand. Okay. He raised his hand. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeff, you, okay. you got that? All right, so moving on to the second item in the agenda. And to present, I think it's Mary, is that correct? Mary Miller? Yes. Hey, Mary. Please go ahead. Hi. Okay, um, Mary Miller, City County Planner, and um, I will be sharing my screen real quickly here. And this is a special use permit, and um, it is for a very specific purpose. It is to allow ground floor residential units as part of a multi-dwelling structure. So the multi-dwelling structure is permitted at 1000 New Hampshire, which is the CD or downtown commercial district. But in order to have a ground floor residential, it requires a special use permit. And this is section 20-517 of the development code. And it notes that um, ground floor residences are prohibited on Massachusetts Street. But if you want a ground floor residence on any of the numbered streets or Vermont or New Hampshire in the CD district, they require approval of a special use permit. And so that's the subject before you tonight as far as a special use permit is the ground floor residential uses. Uh, this is a graphic of the proposed development. This has uh, gone through the Historic Resource Commission review and they have approved this design. If during the course of the site planning process, if the building design is to change a little, it would have to go back to the Historic Resource Commission again. So any changes would require their approval again. They, it's a 17,000 square foot building. It's got three stories to the south. That's where it's adjacent to that historic church structure. And the HRC wanted it smaller on that side just to be more compatible with the church. And then it would be four stories to the north. It would be 57 dwelling units, and these would be affordable dwelling units as defined in the land development code. Uh, this would have storefronts along the front on the ground floor. So the facade on the ground would look like businesses. The applicant, their their plan is to have these be work-live units. And a work-live unit is a unit that has a living and a work area in the same dwelling unit. So close to the street, that would be the work unit. It could be retail sales, it could be a small cafe, anything that's allowed in the CD district could be in that work part of the apartment. And then the residents would live in the rear. And so a work-live unit is a residential unit, and so that would require approval of the special use permit. It's also possible that these units could be used for commercial. Those uses are allowed in the CD district, and they could go in on, on the ground floor without a special use permit. It's also possible that some of these units may be used strictly for residential. And um, 
It could be that they just don't find people to lease right away for work-live units, and so they lease residential you know, until they find more tenants for the work-live units. Or what happens in some cases, someone starts a business and they operate it, and then the business stops, but they still want to live there. They don't want to move. And so it would just be a strictly residential use. So this special use permit would allow the work live units as well as the strictly residential units. Um, but the storefront would remain like this. They would not change to look more residential. So this is a graphic of the proposed development, and this is showing the ground floor. It shows all the work-live units. The ones on the ends are the larger, and these are the ones the applicant indicated would most likely could be used for strictly commercial uses due to their size, but any of them could be. They're proposing green space on the north and the south side of the property, and they are proposing 90-degree parking along the alley to uh, make up some of their uh, parking requirements. In the CD district, the downtown commercial district, you're not required to have any off-street parking. Uh, the assumption is the parking is available in the parking garages, the on-street parking, and so no one's required to have um, off-street parking. But sometimes you have these parking intensive uses, primarily the multi-dwelling uses, they do want to provide some parking on the site. And so they are proposing these parking spaces along the alley. And along New Hampshire Street, um, it's off the subject property. It's actually in the street right of way. They are proposing angled parking. And that's another item that's before you today is uh, consideration of their request to have angled parking on New Hampshire rather than parallel parking. And the applicant is aware that if this was approved, it would be for the public as, as a rule, as just general public. It would not be dedicated for their project, but they indicated that this additional par parking would be very helpful for their project, for the residential and non-residential uses. So this shows the location of the property. It's in black on the graphic on the left. It's in the southern part of the downtown business district. And it's only about two lots north of the judicial building. Uh, the graphic on the right shows it in more detail and more close up. It's in the CDUC or the Downtown Commercial Urban Conservation Overlay District, which means it is subject to the downtown commercial guidelines. And it's also adjacent to multi-dwelling uh, zoning. So as I mentioned, there are two items before you today. Uh, the special use permit is before you. Um, they're requesting to be able to have residential uses, whether work-live or strictly residential, on the ground floor of this uh, proposed development on New Hampshire Street. And then they're also having the request for angled parking on New Hampshire Street, which would require action by the city commission. And I will be discussing each one of these separately. Uh, this is kind of a summary of the seven review criteria that we look at when we um, review special use permits. And I'm going to go through each one of these individually. The first one is that there's compliance with all applicable provisions of the development code. Um, there is a site plan that's submitted and it's currently in review. It's pending right now. They've got to a point where they couldn't move any further until they know if they have approval for the ground floor residential uses and if they have approval for the angled parking on New Hampshire Street, that'll affect their design. And so we'll continue with the site plan review. We've been working through it. We haven't identified any 
significant issues, it should be compliant with the development code. Um, the HRC, Historic Resource Commission, did approve the building design and any changes would require them to reconsider that and um, would require their approval. The intent of the restriction on ground floor residential and um, in staff's opinion, uh, that is a restriction because um, the design guidelines and the development code want to maintain that urban kind of a retail look that you find along New Hampshire Street. And so ground floor residential uses may be permitted if you still are able to maintain that ground floor residential appearance, which is why we are recommending if the, uh, the ground floor is allowed, the ground floor residential uses are allowed, that the storefront facade be maintained. They can't change to look more residential in nature. And that provides the ultimate flexibility for the ground floor because the residential use could switch quickly to the work live or it could go into retail or office or other uses. They would always maintain the same appearance. And the downtown Lawrence plan recommends fully residential uses on this property and does not recommend the ground floor retail. Um, it recommends re residential uses in the form of townhomes. And the, this is compliant with the recommendations of the downtown plan. <laughs> Some other review criteria we look at. One is, is it compatible with adjacent uses? And we're just looking at the ground floor residential uses, if they would be compatible. And maintaining the storefront, there would actually be no physical change apparent um, if the use was retail or residential. There may be a little bit less intensive if it was residential, but it wouldn't be enough to have a significant impact on the intensity of the use. So it should have no impact on the compatibility. And. Um, whether public safety and services are available in the downtown area, they are available and they can serve the remainder of this development with the multi-dwelling units. And so switching the uses on the ground floor between commercial and residential um, should not have any impact on the availability of public services. And then whether or not there's assurance of continued maintenance, uh, well, the special use permit ordinance itself requires compliance with all city codes. But the site plan is actually our enforcement tool. Um, when the site plan shows how the site will be designed and the landscaping and the parking areas, that's our enforcement tool for our code enforcement um, officials. And so um, adequate assurances of uh, continued maintenance have been provided. And then they ask, uh, one of the last criteria is if it's appropriate to set a time frame for this use. And um, usually we set time frames if we have a use that we know has is for a short duration, or if we're concerned that the area is going to develop and the proposed use may not be compatible any longer. But as this area is completely developed, and as a change would be just a part of this large multi-dwelling facility, um, no, time, no limit on the time frame is seen as appropriate. And so this is a list of the special use permit review criteria in full. And um, I can pull that back up for you later if you want to look that over again. But staff does recommend forwarding the special use permit. And I'm sorry, I titled it SP, that should be SUP, um, to the city commission. And this would allow ground floor residential uses, whether work live units or just strictly residential, um, to the city commission with a recommendation for approval, <coughs> subject to the condition listed in the report is that the ground floor units would maintain their storefront facades. 
So this takes us to the second request, and that is for the angled on-street parking. And uh, the applicant has indicated the, the parking is an important part of their project. They'd like to have the additional parking. However, it is not recommended in the downtown master plan. The downtown master plan recommends a bike route on New Hampshire Street and recommends maintaining parallel parking. In addition, the municipal services and operations engineer expressed concern with angled parking, um, seeing that it might be a safety issue, especially when we have the bicycle um, traffic and other traffic on New Hampshire and the backing out action of the vehicles. The applicant noted that there is currently angled parking on New Hampshire Street. So this is kind of a blown up and separated view of the graphic that's in the staff report, just looking at each block. So on the left, we have the 1000 block, which is a, shows the area that's being requested for angled parking. Um, all the parking in this block currently is parallel. And then we have the 900 block, and all the parking on that block is parallel. We have a pool in here for the hotel use. On the 800 block, we do have some multi-dwelling development in the southern portion, and so there is angled parking there. Um, in the 700 block, we have, um, I think it's Hob Taylor's Lofts, a multi-dwelling, and there is angled parking there. And in the 600 block, there is no angled parking. So there is some angled parking on New Hampshire. However, this was all um, installed prior to the adoption of the downtown, the Lawrence Downtown Plan. And so staff's recommendation is to forward the request for on-street angled parking with the recommendation for denial based on the recommendation of the Lawrence Downtown Plan and the safety concerns that have been raised by the um, MSO engineers. And so that concludes my presentation. I'll be happy to answer questions. And um, I believe the applicant is present both through Zoom and in person. Oh, would the applicant like to follow Mary with anything? Yes, thank you. Good evening, Chairman and Commissioners. My name is Darren Ammon. I'm with Bartlett and West. I am representing the applicant and the developer uh, tonight. Just want to say a couple of things. Appreciate, uh, Mary, the presentation and working through all of the SUP and site plan items. As Mary noted, we are in the process of working through the site plan right now, and that's proceeding well, but we do need direction after tonight for both the work live units for the SUP, as well as discussion on the angled parking. Uh, Tony Kresnick, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with, who's done lots of development in the Warehouse District and throughout Lawrence, is going to speak in depth about uh, some of the parking and the various conversations we had. I also noticed, uh, noticed excuse me, that Chris Rice from the MSO is uh, on Zoom tonight. So we have had discussions about the angled parking and do believe we can address safety issues or concerns that have come up. And again, we're working through all of that and have not finalized additional details, but we believe the additional parking and the safety can be addressed so that we will hope you have your support for keeping the angled parking, which is vital to this project. With that, I'd like to turn it over to Tony to talk a little bit about his project and some of the other items in detail. Tony? Thanks, Darren. Thanks, planning staff. Um, I will start with the parking. Um, if anybody has any questions about the work that's on the first floor, which are nearly identical to what we did at Penn Street Lofts, please let me know. But I'll stay focused on the parking uh, for now. Um, as, you, as you might recall, 11th 
streets out uh, ends. It dead ends to the, the courthouse. And we were, uh, from all along, we had uh, angled parking our diagram. And I'm guaranteed if I'm wrong, but we were to 24 uh, parking spots. And in addition to that, two ADA parking spots totaling 26 parking spots. Is that correct? It is correct, yes. Okay. Currently, there's 11 parking spots that are parallel. So, although we are doing a development that requires zero. You lose him? Yep. Yep. All right. Did he get dropped entirely? No, he's muted. Can, can you hear me? Yes. I, I'm so sorry. Um, so anyway, we're adding net 15 angled parking spots. I was surprised to hear staff's recommendation was to deny this request, not only since we are adding 15 additional parking spots, but because I thought that we had had a lot of uh, very pragmatic conversations with city staff, including, I believe, the parking manager who understood that this was fairly unique, understood that this mirrored about half of uh, New Hampshire Street going from the courthouse all the way to the north. We've heard from several neighbors um, in, in the area that obviously want to have more parking, not less. Our seniors, their visitors, they want to have more parking and not less. And so we're hoping that, um, that this can be achieved from a safety standpoint. Again, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Um, I understand that people, uh, as myself, you know, like to bike downtown. They still have the opportunity to do that here. And again, the county courthouse creating a dead end here on 11th Street. Traffic is going to be very, very slow northbound. And as a reminder, the parking spots that we're talking about are on the east side of the street. So the only traffic that would be relevant would be traffic that is going northbound. Again, they would have to make a turn uh, from 11th Street. Um, and so we're, we, we just don't see the safety concerns here or else we would not propose this. With that being said, I'm happy to open it up to um, any questions. Uh, any um, public comment before we come back? Go ahead, sir. You have some. Yes. My, my name is Scott Brown, and thank, okay. thank you for letting me sure. say something. Sure. And as uh, Mr. Kresnick and, and Darren had pointed out, um, the parking uh, is really needed for this project. 26 spots, additional 15 spots. Included in that is ADA parking. If the hope is that, that this could be somewhere down the line um, flexible enough to be converted into office to, to commercial, um, I think that's very helpful for, for those, uh, I guess, customers that uh, are, are ADA, that, that need a little extra. It's also consistent with what's going on down on the 700 block and the 800 block. Um, and, and I know that that's necessarily not, not necessarily precedent for this particular thing, but again, kind of the, the, uh, the residential and, and the, the, the mass um, uh, down there, it, it, you're gonna see that up there too. And so there's, there really is a need for that parking to, to ease that, where I guess the 900 block you do have a, a little parking garage across from that that, that helps there. But this, it's very important to the project that, that there's additional 15 spots. But thanks.
Thank you. Uh, any other public comment? Anybody online? I do not see anyone online. Somebody trying to. Mr. Chairman, could I add a couple of things before uh, before you bring it to the commission to discuss? Is that okay, Jeff? Yeah, go ahead, Darren. Thank you. Uh, a couple things in addition to what Scott and Tony already mentioned that I'd just like to point out. And uh, the MSO has been good to work with through this issue. So addressing a couple different things, as Scott said, there's no precedent been set by what's been done further down on New Hampshire Street. But one of the items within the downtown master plan and really looking is con looking ahead is continuity of what the look would be along New Hampshire. So again, with the angled parking stalls, uh, the thought would be having the flagstone metered stalls in front in two separate areas with a crosswalk in the middle as Mary was showing on the plan that would help for crossing of pedestrians but would have the same similar look to angled parking on the east parallel parking on the west would serve the units that are being put in for the residential work live as well as potentially help increase parking in the area by Maselli's. Uh, one of the things that has been talked about briefly with the safety concern, Tony mentioned it is a dead end block, but now that these work live units may be put in in this location, uh, there is actually a middle turn lane between 10th and 11th in this section. Uh, really, there's only about one spot, which is to the north of where Maselli's is, where the old Scott, Scotch cleaners used to be, is about the only place to even turn in on this block anymore. So there's been some thought to potentially consider uh, having the bike lane down the middle which would be safer. So when folks would back out, there would be plenty of visibility for a bike lane or some form of a sharrow if the uh, if the middle lane is even needed from here on out. And that hasn't been ironed out. I'm not speaking for uh, anybody making that decision, but it's something that's been considered. And maybe lastly, we are picking up 15 total stalls with the addition of this parking. We did speak with, uh, speak with Brad Harrell, the parking uh, manager or director with the city of Lawrence, and he he seems supportive of this project because any of the additional parking would only help benefit the downtown. So just wanted to point out a couple of these additional items that we've thought about throughout this process. And I'd be happy to answer any other questions as well. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And uh, with that, uh, if there's nobody else online and in the room, I'm going to bring it back to the commission for questions. Do, just point of order, do we want to take each separately? Do you want to deal with I think that? we okay. have to take each yeah. separately, right, Jeff? You, you need to make a motion on each of them separately, but if you want to discuss it as a, okay. as a whole, you can. It's at the commission's discretion at that point. Okay. So what, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I, I will say I know there is at least one cyclist here who, who rides right. to these meetings, who rides a lot. Uh, and I have ridden thousands of miles. There is a danger. I mean, that cannot be discounted. There is a danger. But all of Massachusetts is the same way. It, it, is, it is the exact same thing. I read it, looked at it. Um, unless something unforeseen happens, I'm going to vote for angled parking, even though there is some danger to it. Now, you may. Sharon may want to speak more to that because she's riding in town all the time. Um, it is dangerous, but I Massachusetts has the same exact 
set up on both sides of the street, and I don't know if there are any statistics that anyone has ever been hit there. Uh, so anyway, that's all I'll say for now. Well, if we're going to start with parking on that, yeah. so I will um, say that uh, yeah, Massachusetts, biking down Massachusetts is pretty dicey. Um, especially at night, Yo. you got a lot of a lot of things happening downtown. A lot of events. You got bicycles, cars, very narrow, angled parking. It's a dicey situation. To avoid Massachusetts Street, you either take Vermont or New Hampshire. And so, if I saw a concurrent safety feature, a bicycle lane, bicycle lane, I'd, I'd love to hear comments from MSO. If I saw a concurrent project with this, I might be able to go with the angled parking. If I saw that there was going to be established a separate bike lane or maybe even a bike path between the angled parking and the building, possibly. Um, but I don't see that with this project. Um, and so to me, it is a safety concern. Angled parking and bicycles on that narrow, on narrow streets um, is, is less safe than the parallel parking. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I, I don't support adding that angled parking unless there was a concurrent project uh, for bicycle safety. And just for the commission's knowledge, municipal services and operations is on the call with us this evening, so we do have staff available to have if you have any questions. Did I, So I'll, I'll go ahead and ask the MSO staff if there was a thought uh, to a concurrent bicycle safety measure with this project or that could be done with this project. Yes, and Dave Cronin, city engineer in, in MSO. Um, there is no current plans for a bike project on New Hampshire. It is um, in the Lawrence Bikes Plan. It's a priority route in the bike network. Um, and as time goes on, we've been building, uh, making improvements on, on the bike rep, uh, network um, as we go. But um, <clears throat> We, we would not be able to require the development to do anything beyond, you know, this one block of street. It would be great, I think, to be thinking about long-term what the street looks like. And I think that's one of the things with um, the current parallel parking, you would be able to remove parking and or the center turn lane in the future to accommodate a bike lane if you, if the city were to go that route and do a more comprehensive project along the whole route, um, but there's currently no plans to do that. Thank you. Um, without that, I, I can't support the angled parking. Um, for me, it's too it's too dangerous to have that on that street, um, especially if it's going to be a bikeway. Maybe down the line, things could change once the project is in and the bike lane is made or that whatever bike project for that street is made. But until that time, um, I can't support the angled parking. However, I have no problem supporting the work live units on the ground floor at all. Um, but I can't support the angled parking. I, I would just add, I, I cannot even fathom having a bicycle lane down the center of New Hampshire, where you would have traffic going south on one side and north on the other. I, that seems twice as much risk to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I trust uh, Commissioner Ashworth's <laughs> judgment. Um, I think the, because I, I also cycle quite a bit in the area, and I have to say, intuitively, I'm more wary of parallel parking than angled parking, because with angled parking, I can tell when someone is backing out than someone is is exiting, um, you know, with the reverse lights, and it gives me the, the alert to be cautious, as opposed with parallel parking, I can't necessarily tell when somebody's A, gonna open their door, or, uh, or going to, uh, going to pull out, because uh, most people don't signal when they pull out. So, but that said, I, I, you know, uh, um, I, I guess one I, a question I would have for Mr. Cronin. Do we have, uh, you know, I know that the plan calls for um, unimpeded bicycle traffic with parallel parking. Um, do we have statistics on the relative um, incident rates? with parallel parking versus angle parking. Can you talk a little bit about the justification for the two? Uh, yeah, um, I don't have any statistics, at least there's, and there's no statistics that we've been keeping in Lawrence for uh, crash rates in, on streets with angle parking or not angle parking, so there's nothing there mm. that I can, I can share. Um, just overall, just being in, um, being attuned to complete streets and um, different street design, I can I can just tell you that generally speaking, the front end angle parking is less safe. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to be that bad in all cases and in all instances. But I think um, you know if you, if if you're on a bicycle um, and you got car backing out. Uh, the angle parking reduces the sight distance for the vehicles that are, that are backing out and would just increase the, the uh, crash risk. Um, so, um, yeah, we don't have any statistics uh, that I can share with you. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, may I ask another question? I have a question of the applicant. Um, We've got a couple of illustrations here of what your angled parking would look like. One is the schematic. Uh, give me a second. This would be on page six of the report or on page 33 of the full document, which seems to show the angled parking flush with the curb, basically the, um, the traffic way being completely unimpeded. Um, but in the site plan, there seems to be a curb that protrudes outward and basically narrows the traffic way. Can, can you tell me um, which would be your proposed design? So, so I'm talking about the multicolor illustration that Mary showed in her report versus the site plan. Let me see. It would be uh, pages. Um, I don't see their, oh, they're numbered. Very tiny. Um, 44 and 45 of the document. Um, you can see, especially on page 45, that shows only like half the block. It seems like there is a, you know, the curb protrudes out maybe six feet into the traffic way. It's right here on the, on the, the northern end. I'm wondering, could you tell, uh, could you clarify what, what your design, which one of those two would be close, would be your actual, actual design? 
Darren Am and Bartlett and West. And I believe it looks like they might be showing on the screen, or if Mary wants to pull up the, the plan, that would be fine. So the the colored concept is, is not what we would be proposing. That was a very early concept that was put together that generally showed angled parking and the overall building footprint. The site plan specifically is the black and white version you were referring to. Mm -hmm. So how that works is the, actually the back of the stalls that are at the angle would be protruding out to the edge of where the parallel stalls are today. Okay. But the full headed stalls would be going closer to the building. We're modifying the sidewalk. So essentially they will be sticking out no further today in the lane than the parallel stalls were originally. So that is correct. Okay, thanks. So they're basically occupying the same space that a parallel parked car would. It's the same profile. That is right. Okay, thanks. That is right. So I, and I don't know if it was mentioned specifically. One thing I might add is that, so you have the island that's in the middle, about in the center of the building, which will be used uh, the fire vault and some utility box. Mm -hmm. And then you have some stalls on the north half and you have some stalls on the south half. So one of the things that was discussed was beyond just helping the parking overall for downtown in this new project is some of this would be uh, used as long-term parking, which could be a 10-hour type of parking, which would be probably the northern uh, 13 stalls. And then the southern 13 stalls where you have the 280 spaces would be just like other two-hour metered parking that would be right now so people could come and go go to the businesses so it would serve both purposes potentially a longer term or a short term type of parking and uh, Mr. Harrell seemed very applicable to that and liked the idea of having both so that was discussed as well okay thank you thank you very much um and I guess uh, my only thought about a bike lane in the center of the street is I'm not as averse to it as uh, as Charlie is, but uh, I, I think so I think um, um, uh, Jeff mentioned that or no forgive me maybe it was Mr. Cronin uh, saying that uh, uh, you know that kind of treatment would be expected to run the entire length of New Hampshire Street and uh, I would not be in favor of something I think the most dangerous thing is having to swap from one end of the traffic way to the other. Um, by at the end of the block to go from the center of the street to the edge of the street and have to cross traffic in the process, which is probably the most unattractive thing. So I think for the time being, I'd be inclined to support staff on that. Um, I do have other questions, but... Please go ahead. Okay. Um, if, so my, 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 other, my next question is, if I may back to the original, like the live work on the, on the ground floor, that question. Um, and that is for Mary. Would there be some kind of restriction on window treatment? If we're talking about design guidelines and conformance to the design guidelines, are there restrictions, for example, that would keep people who wanted to turn their space into a private space from putting butcher paper or something up in their front window? Um, would there be specific window treatments that would be allowed and, and others that were disallowed? I, we don't have anything formally that would be allowed or not allowed. My assumption would be they would put drapes up or something if they wanted to be private, you know, and, and maintain that area. But I, I don't think you could just, you know, tape paper all over the window. But I think that would, you may want to make that a condition, you know, if we want to have something that says you have, if you're going to have privacy, that it must be done attractively with drapes or uh, a room divider, you know, something like that. And that's what I assume people would probably want to do, but. 
Sure. That could be made a condition as well. Yeah, thank you. I think I'd, I'd be in favor of that condition because it doesn't seem outlandish to me that someone might be inclined to, 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 to put something not very attractive up in their window just to create privacy. Um, I think that's all my questions for now. Thanks. Any other questions? I guess I had a question. Go ahead. Um, so the work live space, is it all one open space or is it designed to where there is a work in the front and then there is some kind of built-in screen and the privacy or the private residence is then in, in the back? Um, and I just wonder, because I, I do think the drapes and stuff and somebody who might want to take the whole space for a, a living space is going to need somehow to create privacy. But I was also just wondering for people who are using it as the work life space, what that privacy would look like to the outside walking by. Right. And the way it's designed, if you look on this graphic, it's... I think this is provided by the architect. The live work, or the work live, where, where you work is right along the street frontage. And then there are walls. So in behind those is where you live. You're, you're able to access both areas. And that's a requirement of work live, is that you can access your living area from your working area. But they are all divided so that when you look in the windows, you don't look into their living area. You look into the area that's set aside for their businesses. Thank you. In case the commission is interested, there, this is not a, a new item. You do see this in the 8th and Penn District currently. There are work-live units that are currently there if you would like to see an example of one, if you can think of those buildings. Okay. Apologies. I, I thought I heard it said someone might choose to use the whole space for living, and I might have my pool table up front. I might have a living room up front. I think it's... I, I agree with David that I can see inappropriate things blocking the windows, but I don't know how that would ever be regulated. I don't know what one would say, well, it must be curtains, it must be, I think that just creates enormous problems when we say, I was going to put my poster of whatever up in the window to block the view. Um, I, I can see people doing that. I just think that would be pretty typical of what would happen. Yeah. May I ask, turn your, your observation or your speculation to a question to staff? Would sure. that be something that could be regulated? I mean, it depends on, is this, these, if this is affordable units that are rented, would that be something that could be you know, man, uh, mandated as part of the lease? We're talking about a public space here, because that's, that's my concern. My concern isn't, it's the interface between the public and the private, and what that does to the streetscape. And so this is a, this is part of, you know, the vibrant downtown area. We're trying to, you know, I'm, and, I, and I do want to mention, I think this sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm, I'm generally in, very in favor of the project, but I am concerned about the, like the pedestrian experience uh, in that area. And I'm wondering, is that something that can be regulated? May I make a comment? Please. Uh, so, yeah, if that's okay for, yeah, for the applicant, sure. Yeah, typically I've run into this in, in the past, and what it is is it's written in as a condition of the lease itself. And so the lease and it is enforced by the lessor that, that you cannot do what you're saying. Okay, great. And so, thank you. Or they, they get affected, their, their violation of their rules. Okay, thank you. So that could be. That, that's, uh, that's, that's correct, and that's, and that's what we have at Penn Street Laws, just, just so you guys know. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate it. There is a difference, though, between it being approved with something that would say that the owner of the building has to have something and that they're the ones that are accountable for what that looks like mm -hmm. versus just leaving it to them to decide and to have them put it in the lease or if they were to ever be were ever to be sold into a homeowner's agreement or something along those covenants or something for living there. So I'm not saying I feel one way or the other, but there is a distinction between asking for something to be required now versus just we hope that they will include a provision in their in their lease. So I guess I might I'm back to the original question, which is, is there anything that's enforceable that would actually make it so that the owner was the one responsible and then they could handle that through their lease or how, however? I would see that, that being difficult. I'm just... I agree with the second part there. I think that would be, be pretty difficult on that side. Um, most of the time that I've seen these occur, it is exactly that. It is something in the leasing agreement between the landlord and the tenant of the property. I can't think of an instance of what you would be able to condition necessarily to that would get you there. Um, typically, you know, things like sign codes would be in effect, and that would be, I'd expect that to be in effect here, but that may not still get at where I think the planning commission is, is thinking about. Um, I, be very difficult to kind of understand what that would that would be because you'd be discussing I mean, outside of signing code you brought that up I mean do we control stuff like this for businesses like uh, all along mass or all along New Hampshire or Vermont and if we're gonna if we don't control them how can we can control this well I think that difference between the right. actual how will right. we do it and what kind of mechanisms in place to do it is one question. But I think when I'm thinking about this particular project, which I just love the idea, what I did hear is that the, it's workspace kind of on the bottom because there are plans in place and the city has decided they want that uniform look of the commercial down on the bottom. So in my head, I'm just working through how do you maintain that desire of having that commercial look um, and yet offer a work-live type of situation. I think that's just kind of what I was wondering through. I can try and hazard an answer to that, I think. In, in some past experiences I've worked with, it's, it's when you're working on a project like this, you're really talking about the outside aesthetics of the structure. You want it to have a certain feel and appearance. There may be a situation where someone is a medical provider and they need a certain amount of screening to perform a service or whatever it is that is required. Uh, um, I've also seen this with um, uh, general offices, law firms and things would maybe want to have some screening. Uh, I'll give you a great example. City Hall has some screens on their windows here and just mainly for sunlight and for shade or for energy efficiency purposes there. So there's a lot of reasons you might want to go down that path. But as long as the building is usually designed and has the aesthetic of it, it's you don't really kind of have a lot of that interior control because there's a lot of different forms and functions that may go into that one. And traditionally, that's usually just been a question of between the landlord and the leasee about what is the most appropriate in that fashion given, given what is being programmed in that space. So as long as it looks like... Um 
structurally like the commercial districts that we have. That's really kind of what the purpose was of the restrictions. Yeah, it's really to kind of talk about that outside because I think of a building as it's going to evolve and change over time. It's you never know what's going to be there. You may never know what requirements may be asked of, a, of an individual. And I specifically go to medical offices because some of those providers will have different standards if you're a dentist versus if you're doing something else or an optometrist may need a darker space than what you would need for a different provider. So kind of that flexibility there would give some options and availability for both the landlord and the leasee to understand is how I can use this space to my fullest advantage to make it work. Okay. Does the downtown Lawrence plan talk about residential uses at all? Ooh, I'm hoping Mary has that a little bit more readily available than I do. I believe it does. I just, I don't recall if it talks about it in terms of ground floor or upper floor, but I do remember there being conversations in there about residential throughout the area. I just don't it remember does. the details. Yeah, it, um, it actually recommends those townhouses on this property, which would be completely residential, no retail. And in the plan, it stated that they wanted to increase the density of residential for downtown. And so that's why they were recommending the row houses. And the Historic Resources staff report discussed that and said, well, while these aren't specifically row houses, the design is made to look somewhat like row houses, and it is residential. Um, according to the plan. So it doesn't comply 100% because it does have the retail on the ground floor, but then that's necessary to comply with our development code. So they do discuss residential and they encourage it. Yeah. What would be the harm of having that first floor actually be and look like what it is as opposed to allowing residential that looks as if it is commercial? If it's going to be residential, why not have it residential? If it's going to be retail, have it be retail. I, I guess I don't understand why we need to have a uniform appearance, facade, and a variety of uses. I can answer that if you would like. Thank you. I think the reason is because the intention is to either have uses that are allowed in CD or the work lift, which would have the front portion being retail or office or whatever. So the residential would only be occasionally. If you had a work-live business and you had a jewelry shop or maybe you made jewelry and you decided to stop, but you're still gonna live there at least till the end of your lease, you can, you don't, because we can't force you to continue a work-live activity if you don't have the business. So those cases happen. Or if they're sitting empty because no one is ready to move in as a work-live unit, but that's the goal, then you can accept a residential use. But we, the, the goal, from what I understand, the applicant is to have work-live units. So if you let someone live there residentially for a year, you haven't changed it so that it's difficult to have a work-live because that's the intended uses work live or office commercial and then residential being a potential option but i don't think that's having strictly residential on the ground floor is their you know proposed intention and uh, the applicant can probably express that better than i can yeah thanks mary um that, that's a great question um to be perfectly honest with you we were just simply tasked uh with achieving a good balance between commercial and residential understanding that it is a flexible space with the historic resources commission and i probably should have started off with this and uh, and if you don't mind me taking a step back please interrupt me if 
if, if, if this is an appropriate uh, answer, but this is the largest affordable housing tax credit award, I believe, in the state of Kansas history. And today, at the Affordable Housing Advisory Board, it was recommended the last tranche of money necessary to complete this project. And I should have said this earlier, the tax credit investors, as well as the state, they believe that we are providing 25 angled parking spots. Um, and, I, and I would love to, to address that, not to take a step back and tie it back in to the first floor. But as Darren said, the, the parking spots, a lot of them are going to be 10-hour parking spots, so there's not going to be a lot of people backing in and backing out. What I should have said to start this meeting off, and I believe some of you know it, but maybe not all, is this is a senior project. This is, this is an affordable project for seniors. And in the event that both lanes, the east and west side of New Hampshire Street, were parallel parking, understanding that there is no ability to, to drive a bike to the south, driving to the north very quickly within a block you're going to run into the exact same setup we're talking about here. So unless you are going to literally drive a, a little tiny loop on your bike, as soon as you get to the south by a block and a half, you're going to run into the same condition that we're talking about here. From a safety standpoint, understanding that these are seniors, affordable seniors on fixed income, there's no greater safety than making a senior walk any farther than he or she has to. And that went into that. We spent a lot of time talking about this, and we also talked to city staff about this. So, understanding that there's not a bike loop that's going to go all the way down New Hampshire Street, I think we also, I'm begging you to please think about the safety of these seniors and also that our project is quite literally at the finish line. We're hoping to, to close on this project and then begin construction at the end of the year or at the begin, at the very earliest uh, of next year. So. Um, I, I, I hope that makes sense. Any other questions? I, I have one question. So this is for uh, Mr. Kresnick. Um, so what is the impact of denying the parking request? Like uh, how many parking spaces would you lose uh, versus how many would you have if it was parallel parking? Yeah, we would lose we would lose net 15 parking spaces. Currently, there's 11. Our design is to put 26 back. And again, not speaking for anybody at the city that isn't on this call, we had a lot of support from city staff as well as I believe the parking manager for our plan. Because again, you have the dead end on 11th Street, and you have the exact same condition to the north. The impact on this project, not having the tax credit investor or the or the lender on the project, it would be challenging at best. Whether or not they would back out or not, I don't know. Um, from a neighborhood standpoint, the neighborhood would probably be damaged as bad, if not more, than our project. Um, granted, we do have vulnerable seniors, um, but not. But putting up a you know. 62,000 square foot building where there is not one currently and providing, you know, 11 or 12 parking spots in the front instead of 26, I'm assuming would be extremely damaging to Maselli's. It would be damaging to the other businesses in the neighborhood. And my fear is that the seniors would be forced to walk blocks and blocks away. Some of our seniors are not capable of walking. 
we've met and exceeded all ADA requirements. Um, with that being said, it's never enough. We always wish that we had more. Um, and so I, I just, I really urge you, we spent a lot of time talking about safety as we should. I would really, really like to challenge everybody to think what would be more dangerous, um, a block being added that is identical to other blocks, or would it be more dangerous asking 15 seniors to walk every single day a block, two blocks farther than they would if we could go in with the uh, with the angled parking that we've had all along. Any other questions for? Uh, well, I th one of my thoughts was, and I could have said it earlier. Uh, I, I like the idea of. Um, the work lives space. I like that idea. If I were a small business that would go in there and there aren't parking spaces out front, I would be less likely to even go to that project. I, I need places where people can park to get to my jewelry shop, craft shop, whatever it's going to be. Um, I, I think we would if we like the project, if I like the project, uh, there need to be parking spaces, uh, and I think downtown businesses would echo what I'm saying, that they need parking spaces for their customers. So I, more parking spaces. Jeff, if we, if we denied this, does the city commission get to, you know, if they decide that this is something that has to happen, they can overrule us, or how, how would that work? Yeah, you, were, you were recommending at this recommend. point. You don't, you don't have an approval authority. It would be up to the city commission at that stage. Yeah. Okay. And so it sounds like there are some commissioners that are in favor and some against the parking requirement. How do we handle that vote? Do we just say for denial and then we, or do we have one that says approve and one that says deny? Or what, what do you recommend there, Jeff? It'd be kind of your normal voting procedure. It would just be a motion in a second and go to vote. We'd see what that outcome is, and should we need to turn it around and go the other direction, we can always do that based on the vote. Okay. It probably makes sense to take the first issue the first off issue. the work-life space yeah. and the overall plan and then the angle parking. And then the angle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is, um, is everybody okay if we mm. – does anybody want to entertain a motion for the, for the um, work-life part of it? I don't have the exact language in front of me. I, I would move that we approve the special use permit, SUP 23-00334, to permit the establishment of a multi-dwelling structure on the, with ground floor residential units at 1000 New Hampshire Street, and forward a recommendation for approval to the city commission based on the findings presented in the staff report and subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. I'll second. Commissioner Carter, second. <laughs> um, I if you usually have some, some additional discussion. I just want to say um, this conforms to, and we had a lot of discussion last week about other uh, things around placement of affordable housing. And I think this fully conforms to my idea of where density belongs. Yeah. Um, and so I just I want to say I I 
I am fully in favor of this type of, of um, project in this place. I'm also really in favor of the, of the flexibility of the live work. I like the idea, um, especially on New Hampshire Street, given the condition of commercial property, that you, you know, the flexibility of being able to do one or the other is really attractive. Um, you know, I would. I wish there was some way to regulation uh, regulate the window treatment because, again, as someone who <laughs> wants to interact with that, um, I I would love to have something that reinforces that positive environment, and I would encourage the applicant to consider those kinds of restrictions in the lease. But I'm I'm a hundred percent in favor of this. I like, I'm disagree. I'm very yeah. excited about this. I like the idea of the, of the live work space. I love the affordable housing. This has been a vacant lot for way too long. And so <laughs> I just, especially with projects that we've seen come through, I've been on this for a little over a year and I'm just realizing how important placement is. So many people come with really great, wonderful ideas. And, but where, what should go where is sometimes just a very difficult, um, and this is, this is just a really exciting project. Yeah. And I like the use of the space mm -hmm. for what this, what the city needs. Go for a vote then. All in favor, say aye. 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 All against, <laughs> raise your hands. Did you get Pedro? Yes. Pedro, did you did you yes. vote in favor? Yes. Jeff got it. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. So we'll take the second item. We have a motion for the second item. I would move to approve the request for angled parking on New Hampshire Street adjacent to the 1000 New Hampshire uh, address and forward a recommendation of approval to the City Commission, not based on the findings in the staff report, but based on the fact that this parking is critical to affordable housing live work unit and it has been found on other portions of New Hampshire Street. So it's not inconsistent with New Hampshire Street. Yeah. Jeff, is that an appropriate motion? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, do we have a second? I'll okay. second it. Uh, Commissioner Thomas seconds it. Can we have discussion? Discussion. Yes. I'm, I'm still not um, convinced that the seniors walking box is more dangerous than the bicycle environment there. And to me, it's once again putting cars and parking ahead of our pedestrian, walkable, cyclable um, cities is what we're trying to get to. Um, and this does not lend itself to that. It is once again putting cars and parking ahead of pedestrian needs and cycling needs. And it's, for me, it is very much a safety issue. Mm. I'm on that street all the time. And any more angled parking is just a risk to me. So I'm, I am not going to support that. Any other discussion? Call for the vote. I would just like to say. Uh, go, go ahead. I would like to, sorry, I would like to, to mention that uh, I'll be in favor of, of approving um, the angle parking. You know, in the past, um, I had conversations, and you know, even at the uh, at these uh, uh, meeting commissions, and I have heard so many times that we all want to revive downtown, that we all want different businesses in downtown, that we all need, that we want something else but bars and alcohol and beers. And I think a project like this brings, shows that, you know, something different, just something that will bring downtown 
just a new just it, it's not it's, it's just something that won't be the same and and, and in my opinion you know um if 15 spots will bring the opportunity for those very small businesses that seems like it's going to be an opportunity to succeed to bring revenue for for themselves or, or, or their families and and or potentially bring new jobs then uh you know i will i, I will vote in favor of, of this uh angle markets i was just going to say i think this is a really difficult um question for me personally i haven't necessarily made up my mind yet but um i lived at hobbs taylor which had the angle parking um later on in in the block and so i can see the pros and cons of the angle parking i find it very interesting that we have have some of that and after having that mso has said hey let's change our plan and let's think about doing something different and then not having their support for for a project like this is does weigh heavily like in in my thought process on the other side of me i'm like well and um, if we kind of like pedro said if we can get 15 spots in there to get this project that just seems so great um through 15 doesn't and we already have it um, later on in the block. That also kind of factors in to, um, to what I'm thinking. And I, I wish we knew more about the actual plan for New Hampshire Street and when they plan on putting in bike lanes, how they plan on putting bike lanes in. It's really hard to like visualize how that works and how this would impact that. And if approving this will then change the ability to do bike lanes on New Hampshire Street in the future sometime is, is, is on my mind um, versus we also don't have a plan. And right now, New Hampshire Street is, is not the best bicycle route, um, nor is Massachusetts Street. Um, and so I just don't know which direction I'm going to go, but I recognize the, the complexity um, of this particular um, issue. And I just, that's kind of what's going on. I don't know. I feel like Rexo is not here, so somebody has to throw <laughs> something out, and I'm throwing it out. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Good work, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, be proud. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm I'm also torn. Um, and um, it's I I I trust um, staff's recommendations. I appreciate MSO's recommendations. I have to rely to some degree on my own experience and intuition based on, as a cyclist on, on New Hampshire Street and in the angled parking areas, I have to say I don't feel unsafe, um, that I generally do feel more unsafe with a, uh, in a parallel parking environment where I'm inclined to go more quickly and be more subject to um, uh, door prizes. Um, and uh, that I, and the fact that we don't have statistics that, that justifies the recommendation causes me some concern where I feel like if we at least had um, some numbers that said, you know, and this is a nationwide thing. I would expect that we would have some incidents, incident, incidental numbers that say, you know, that uh, parallel parking is um, uh, produces X percent of, of of incidents per volume of traffic or per volume of number of cyclists. So, based on my experience and intuition, I'm in like I'm likely to support the the angled parking. Just, I just want to point out that um, Mr. Cronin did say the MSO thought the angled parking was less safe. Yes, I understand. Than the parallel. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, we do have a different way of looking at things. <laughs> yeah. That's, which, is, which is perfectly, a lot of cyclists have different preferences, and I get that. Um, I just feel having backing out of those, nobody can see what's coming. Yeah, I respect so, that. So, but yeah, different I, I could I just say one other thing, and I'm sorry, this becomes mm -hmm. like a whole conversation, but I do feel, and just like, for example, in, in, in street planning, where narrow, narrower streets uh, are inclined to cause drivers to be more cautious, I feel like, you know, as a driver, backing out of angled parking, I'm more inclined to be cautious than in parallel parking where I I'm, you know, might be more inclined to just pull out. And so, you know, where a cyclist, three seconds earlier, I won't see if they're traveling quickly down that street, I pull out. And so I just, again, intuitively, I, I would like to have more substantive um, numbers to, to support the city's recommendation, but I'm, I'm going to support dangled parking. Any other discussion? Should we call for a vote? Okay, call for a vote. All in favor, say aye. 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 All against? Nay. Jeff, uh, what's, there's the, so. one other, sorry, go ahead. No, let's go ahead. Oh, one, there's one other item on the agenda, correct? Not on your regular agenda. Not on the regular agenda. You do have. Hey guys, what was the final vote? I think it was, it was did you eight to one? Eight to one. Did, oh, okay. uh, Bro, Commissioner Brodo, you were in favor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I was. Staff recorded the vote as seven one in the affirmative. Seven. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. So the, the other item that was mentioned is just under miscellaneous new and old business. And that is the approval of your 2024 commission calendar. Is there anything on there we need to sort of be thinking about, Jeff, like highlights or do we, anything we should be concerned about? Do we have a date for the wind? Do we have a date for the wind continuous? Oh. Do we have a date for the wind? We don't, do we? Not in relation to this calendar necessarily. We can bring that to the next discussion point. Okay. For the, I mean, for the highlights for this calendar, I just, you know, I'd call out the, the usual things that you would typically see is we do try to miss most of the holidays in here. There's a couple spots where you'll see a Monday will not be occurring, but there will be a Wednesday that'll occur. Um, and this also does carry forward into the first two months of 25. So you can kind of see that, that outward planning that goes on with that one. So uh, that's the, kind of the highlights of this one, I would say at this point. May I ask, do we have a mid-month calendar? Still in the works on that one. Okay. Thanks. And to uh, Commissioner Eldridge's question about the wind. Is okay. that, uh, May I have a point of order? Go ahead. Um, are we asked to approve this formally? Like yes. vote on it? Oh, we should. Okay. okay. Uh, can I have a motion? I move to approve the, uh, the 2024 calendar as presented. I'll second it, but I would like to have discussion after. Sure. So after the vote? No, after oh. after my second. <laughs> <laughs> I was pending. Go ahead. Um, I'm in favor of the calendar, and um, however the staff sees fit to um, to set the, the calendar. Um, I just do want to raise that um, I think that um, we've been going later and later in the evenings and the it's hard I think it's really hard to figure out how to staff the or what to put 
on what agendas and things get carried over in ways we just can't necessarily anticipate. Um, as we look at the calendar and we think about the future, um, I think it'd be really important to think about if there are ways that we can make sure that people can be present um, at our meetings, and maybe that's by having meetings um, that that end at a certain time. Um, I, I just want to throw that out there. I'm not that staff can do anything about it right now, but maybe it's something we take up at orientation. But it's just been something that's been a concern of mine about who can volunteer to be on the planning commission and who can show up to speak on issues. Um, in front of the Planning Commission when our meetings can kind of wildly um, go from being only eight, I can't believe it's only eight o'clock and I'm going to, I'll be home by 8.30, all right, versus like, I think I was here at about three in the morning with you guys the other day. So um, so I just wanted to raise that and hope that we can maybe start to think a little bit about that as we're thinking, and maybe that means we have to have more dates or whatever, which is why I raise it now, just because it is connected to me about when we meet and how we meet. We'll consider putting that on our um, orientation items. I have a question ahead, too. And that is that um, we have application deadlines that are the same for the Monday and the Wednesday meeting. For instance, we got um, a, a letter that applied to tonight's meeting uh, by 10 o'clock today. I think that's too short of an opportunity to respond to those things that come the same day as the meeting. And I, I would wonder if we might consider having the same amount of time between the deadline for comments um, and the meet time we're going to take it up. Right. I'm a slow thinker. I need more time to think. Yeah. I would appreciate it. Is that a? Is is there a? What's the legal requirement, or what's? What are we obligated to there, Jeff? That's usually set by your bylaws, as a, as a function of your bylaws. And you can always recommend changes to that, and the city commission can go ahead and approve those if you want to do it. And you know, kind of uh, Commissioner Carter Ashworth may remember that we used to have the old uh, 11 o'clock rule with the planning commission, that the meeting would end at 11 o'clock on the item, and then the next year they just carry over to the next month available. The problem with that was, though, is if the meetings ran long, and then you would back up you know, one month into the second month, and then if that happened twice, it was two months. You know, then, so the commission decided to not have that as a as a standing rule anymore. So it's, it's just a function of your bylaws and how you'd like to do that as a body. And, and the public comment thing, so like let's say we did get something by 10 in the morning on Monday, can we say, you know, anything received later than Friday, we can't consider it because we need the weekend to, you know, review, is that? In our purview, or is that also in the bylaws? Is that also in the bylaws? Yeah, that's also in your bylaws. Okay. Can we talk about that at orientation? Because I was thinking, yeah, I mean, that's, that's depending on the thing we're going to talk about, let's just take the worst case scenario and we'll say wind rigs. <laughs> getting 500 pages, <laughs> get, getting, getting 500 pages dumped on you even on Thursday, is that enough time to go through it? Yeah. Knowing that the attention that deserves to be given. Just a, as a point of order here, we may be departuring from the actual motion right. on the floor. <laughs> yeah, so uh, bring us back. But if we're to adopt um, and approve our calendar, our calendar includes those dates for yeah. application Deadlines. comment. And I. Does it, Jeff? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. It's, it's at the top of the dark blue columns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your application deadlines and your public comment deadlines are set on the calendars. That's what we do follow. It's based on your bylaws. Mm -hmm. oh. But in order to change that, it would mean 
absolutely it would mean a bylaw change, which means it would also have to be approved by the city commission. So that's a long yeah. process. Okay. So this is a descriptive. This is a descriptive notation, not a prescriptive notation. I understand. What, what is I'm that? just trying to vote against the okay. calendar for that reason. What is that? To be a misunderstanding. What is that phrase? Even the longest journey starts with a single step, and if we don't start. We're going to end up at 2.30 in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're, we're going to get <clears throat> 500 pages at the last minute. That is a rare case, but I will have yeah. to echo. Uh, maybe I'm a slow thinker as well, but I need the time to get my paper from here and read it and go through it and mark it up. Hmm. So I, I would certainly be in favor of starting a change in bylaws and, and see what happens. May I suggest that by not approving the calendar, we put staff in a really difficult position. Um, I mean, I'm only going to be on the commission for another six months. So it's, it's less, I'm only looking at half the year here. But I guess my, I might just suggest that, you know, if you want, if we want to change the bylaws, let's change the bylaws. We can reissue a new calendar, but uh, with the new notation. But um, I would say to Commissioner Hayden's um, suggestion, um, we've had, we've, we've run into some really monstrous issues in the past few months. We also had, the last time we were, uh, we were here till three, it was kind of a perfect storm of other things, including a medical emergency at a previous uh, um, meeting that caused all of those things to be re, um, to be rescheduled. Um, so it, I think it's, a, in my almost six years on the commission, it's been pretty extraordinary to go past 11 or 11.30. But it happened often enough that, as uh, Jeff put it, um, it really caused things to be serially dismissed, which made it difficult for the applicants, because they would show up, and then the thing, we'd run out of time or decide not to extend. Um, and so I, I would suggest that it's a great, it's a great issue to discuss during the, during the orientation, but there are reasons why it exists like it does right now, because we only changed it like, I think less than, well, about less than a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I am in favor of the um, adopting the meeting calendar as it is set out, and in, I'm in favor in the, of this motion for sure. I just think it is time to have that conversation because while it's difficult for the applicants, I just think it's really difficult for the public to, to be here. And we've had several people say, I have to go yeah. home now, mm -hmm. or my wife can't be here because she has to go home with the children. And I just hate to see that stop that public process. Yeah. Um, and so, But it's only been a year, but apparently it's been... A, <laughs> a different year and definitely a lot of late That's meetings. Right. Not representative. So, so thank you for and the discussion. And I brought it up, one, because I think it's relevant to this pending motion, but also because we have been going so late that it's hard to bring it up because it's 2 o'clock in the morning and nobody wants to talk about anything anymore, right? And so so this was an, a good opportunity. And our with our orientation coming up soon, um, hopefully it could be something yeah. that we could put on the agenda but support the current pending motion. Thank you. Any other discussion? Can we ask for a vote? Because I think there is a motion in a second. Yes. Yes. So can we ask for a vote? All in favor say aye. 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 All against? I'm just going to abstain. abstain. We have one, one abstention. Everybody else in favor. Um, yes.
Okay. Mr. Broda was in favor. Uh, I, I think that brings us to the end of the meeting. Can we have a motion to end the meeting? Or so moved. And if I may, I, I think Commissioner Elders had an open question that I hadn't answered, and I just wanted to take an opportunity to answer it. And right. com Commissioner, remind me, was, your question was about the wind regulations amendment? Yes. Right now, we're tentatively scheduling that for January at this point in time with the way that the applications and the calendars are falling. And would that be at a regular meeting, or do you do special meetings just for those kind of overflow mm -hmm. things? or? I usually just expected to be on the Monday meeting of the January just because we typically don't put county items on top of Wednesday because that's when the county typically also meets. So to kind of off balance that a little bit. So I would expect it to be on the Monday one right now. Thank you very much. My apologies, Chair. No problem. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, can we have a motion to conclude the meeting? Uh, move that we recess until Wednesday. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Thank you. They can call Gary and say we're going to rewrite everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Gary, why are you wrapping?